The Distraction, hosted by former Deadspin writers Drew McGarry and David Roth, is a new sports podcast coming from Defector and Stitcher. Join the guys and their guests as they break down the week in sports while addressing their fair share of off-the-field issues. Whether it's discussing NBA players getting testy in the bubble, Bill Belichick cutting 80% of his roster just to keep himself interested, or horrifying takes from sports talk radio that need to be broken down, Drew and Roth are ready to serve you some hot sports action. But do stick around for a few extra distractions. You deserve them. Listen and subscribe to The Distraction, a Defector podcast, right now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Maybe I'm crazy, but I have a billion-dollar idea for the NFL. I'm willing to give it to them for free. Um, I don't even need recognition for it. It's just going to make my life easier, and I'll be less annoyed. And I'm willing to do a lot of things to be not annoyed. We'll get to that later. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Welcome to Maybe I'm Crazy Podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Uh, we have Anita Marks on the show today. She's a friend of mine. Uh, she does radio for ESPN and host shows for ESPN in New York. She has a lot of good gambling scoops, by the way, too. So if you like to make the money, she's a good follow on Twitter, at Anita Marks. We're going to talk a bunch of NFL with her. We will also talk about the the Browns. I obviously have a lot more thoughts on them. Lamar Jackson and the New England Patriots. Big win for the Ravens. Uh, there was a chunky, a chunky little kitty on Monday Night Football, um, and I have some conspiracies about it. That was a fat cat. Whoa! Chunky like with cat. the wiggle when he bounced. Like that cat eats good. He gets all. He doesn't even get leftovers. That cat gets actual food. Gets first. Like first. <laughs> yes, he was king cat. Um, high key, low key. Uh, Odell. That is tied to my billion dollar idea for the NFL. Um, the Dolphins messed up the tank. Not a shocker. Um, and the NBA has been awesome so far this year. And we'll get to our losers as well. But let's start with Anita Marks. All right. I'm very excited to have Anita Marks on. She is the host and analyst for ESPN's Daily Wager Gambling Show, Monday through Friday and Sunday morning on ESPN2. And she's also a radio host on ESPN Radio in New York City. And I know her from my time at CBS when uh, she would often be a guest with myself, Jamie Eisenberg, and Dave Richard on Fantasy Football Today. And I remember, Anita, you saved one of my fantasy football seasons because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't hip to Odell Beckham Jr. And you came on and you dropped a nice little nugget. And I went ahead and uh, picked him up. He was available in my league inexplicably. I know that sounds insane to talk about today. But, um, yeah, you gave me a bunch of wins that year <laughs> with Odell. So I always appreciate that. Could you, I, I mean, can we just, can we marinate in that for a minute? But the majority of people that that had Odell Beckham Jr. on their fantasy football roster picked him up off the waiver wire that year. Uh, because if you recall, when the Giants drafted him, he came on board and he had some hamstring issues. And so he didn't play for the first three weeks. But um, I, I worked with the Giants. I was a part of their broadcast team for about six years. So I was there at practice um, and, and got to see up close and personal, just how phenomenal he was. And I knew that the minute that he was going to be active, that he was just going to, he was going to blow up. And so I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you reaped the benefit, Joy. <laughs> I, uh, you and I are very different in that regard, because if I was the one who had the scoop on Odell Beckham Jr., I wouldn't meet a human person and not tell them that I did that. So um, <laughs> I give you full credit for that uh, in general, but now he is with the Cleveland Browns. He's no longer with the disaster that is the New York Giants. He's with the Cleveland Browns, who are also quite a disaster themselves. 
Um, there's many reasons why they're going through what they're going through, but what is your opinion about why the Browns are having the season that they're having? It's really hard when an organization has been as bad as the Browns have been for so long to change a culture uh, that is permeated within an organization. It's really, 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 really hard. So just like the foundation in regard to like just how bad the Browns have been and to like tr- turn that energy, you've got to change ev- like everybody in the building. Like, like, I don't think people realize, like, you know, when when guys go to work, when players go to work and they walk into their facility, it's like they're there all day from, like, um, the cafeteria staff to the marketing department to – and and so it's really, really hard. You have all these people who worked for the Browns organization for so long that have just gotten so used to losing and have, and, and, and have this, like, kind of negativity around the organization. So that's first and foremost. Okay. Number two, I, I, I think when you look at the makeup of the roster, it's a lot of millennials. It's a lot of me, 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 me. It's a lot of big personalities. And there's not a lot of veteran leadership in there that are, are really going to take, let's say, Baker Mayfield aside and say, hey, listen, you actually want the media to like you because your life will be a lot easier, especially in the long run, when the media like you or you know, or Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. Hey, guys, there are rules in place that we must follow to make our lives a lot easier. And that is the cleats we wear need to either be black, white, or our team colors. So let's not color outside the line. Let's make life easy for all of us. It's like little things like that that just keep on happening with the organization that are derailing the chemistry within the locker room. So that's two. Number three, I think Freddie Kitchens has been way over his head, you know, in regard to lack of experience of being a head coach, not having the respect, I think, from another a number of guys in that locker room. Like, for example, do you think any of this extra stuff that's happening off the football field would even one little iota happen with Bill Belichick in that Patriots locker room? That's a no. Heck no, Joy. It wouldn't. So there's just there, there's it's, there's just not one thing. It's, there's there's a there's a magnitude of things um, that are happening with that franchise and that organization, and, and the reason they've only they've only won two games. Um, and you've heard this before. Winning is the ultimate deodorant. And we all thought that they were going to beat the Denver Broncos last week, right? Against a quarterback who had never completed a pass in a regular season NFL game, and they lost to Denver. So now, I mean, you know, the sky is falling, I would imagine. And now you've got the Buffalo Bills coming to town, whose defense is very similar to Denver's, who actually has a better quarterback than Josh Allen. I'm, I'm telling you what, if, if that line goes up to three, three and a half, I'm taking the Bills plus three, plus three and a half right now because I think things got even a lot worse. A lot worse than Cleveland this week. Uh, another team that is going through some pitiful woes, and I think just listening to you talk about the Browns, which, by the way, I agree with literally everything you just said, um, another team that's going through what I think you just described is the New York Jets. Now, they have similar similarities in that they both have talent. They both have their quarterback. They both have a strong running back, and they have some pieces around the team that would make you think that this team is going to be a lot better than they are. Now, in all fairness to the Jets, Darnold did have mono, so that kind of X out this season for me when it, with them. But, you know, they, apparently they still have some expectations this season. So 
what's happening with the Jets? <laughs> Again, how much time do you have on this podcast? Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, well, a few things. Uh, number one, definitely Sam Darnold coming down with mono. It just it started this domino effect, right? Like, no Sam Darnold. And then from there, Simeon got knocked out of the game and his season was over. And so now this is a Jets organization that's coming in and they're having to play with their third-string quarterback, and move false, okay, who it was just horrible. So now, so now what happened? They're losing on the offensive side of the ball. I think they were hoping to get Chris Herndon, their tight end back, sooner than they could. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, C.J. Mosley, who is so, – so keep in mind, C.J. Mosley is their linebacker who is their quarterback of the defense who's out because of a very significant groin injury – and Sam Darnold, who is their quarterback, obviously, who's their, their field general on the offensive. So both their leaders on the offensive and defensive side of the ball are out and are not playing for the first few weeks of the season. So so in regard to, you know, roster and, and, and talent and star players, they were lacking. That's number one. Number two, and what, what has really kind of been revealed here is there's a lot of question marks whether or not is Adam Gates a good head coach. You know, the question mark right now is Adam Geese's offense. A, it doesn't fit Le'Veon Bell. I, I don't I don't know how you pay a running back as much money as the Jets are paying him and only give him 15, 18 touches a game. That just <laughs> blows my mind. Right. But what what's really being revealed here and what's really interesting when you look around the landscape of the NFL, Joy, you know, there are coaches out there that have a system. Like, for example, when Ben McAdoo was with the Giants, Ben McAdoo, all Ben McAdoo knows is the three wide receiver set system, 11 personnel. That's all he knows. That's his system. I'm going to plug this one in here. I'm going to plug that one in there. I'm going to plug that one in there. And this is how we're going to play so apparently, from what I'm gathering, all Adam Gates knows is Peyton Manning's system. And maybe Peyton Manning's system doesn't fit Sam Darnold. And in, in this day and age in the NFL, you need to know more than just one system. You, In order to have success and be this offensive genius, and Adam Gates is calling the plays here, you have to know more than just one system, especially when you don't have the horses in your stable to run the one system you know. You've got to adapt, and you've got to change. And he, he's not capable of doing that. And that is what has revealed itself. And so there's a real a lot of question marks whether or not Adam Gates is the guy for this Jets franchise and this Jets organization. And if you do, if, if the organization decides to get rid of him, now you've got Sam Darnold, this, poor, poor Sam, his third coach in three years. Now you're setting him back another year having to learn a new system having to get familiar with a new coach so it's 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 a mess here in new york uh even it's very interesting because going into the season boy everyone was like boy how great is it to be a jets fan right now right you know the jets have always been the ugly ugly stepchild to the giants for so many years oh they finally got their quarterback in sam darnold oh they go out to get Le'Veon bell oh man this is gonna be a great year Jets are going to win like nine games. Maybe they'll try to get his postseason as, as a wild card. Oh, boy, are we far from it. So and when and you're looking at this organization, they're both not good. They're, it's really it's, it's a sad state of affairs here in New York, Joy. Yeah, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a downer all around. 
let's let's switch to something not so negative. Uh, the Ravens <laughs> are a super. Uh, you're just bringing the hammer today. I like it. Uh, the Ravens have been tremendous this year. Uh, I, I was I was pretty off on the 49ers and the Ravens this year. I didn't know what to expect from Lamar Jackson, and what I was hearing from the Ravens kind of made me nervous in the off season because they were talking about uh, kind of just letting Lamar Jackson run as much as possible. And I really felt like in order for Lamar to take his game to the next level in the NFL, he was going to have to develop a pocket presence and be able to throw the ball much better than he did in his rookie year. And to the Ravens credit, not only have they developed him in an incredible way, you can tell that he worked on his body in the off season as well. Um, how far can the Ravens go? Do you feel like they're limited or should we just consider them as a straight up Super Bowl contender? Well, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to answer your question. Um, I think the Ravens win the AFC North and I think, I think they're a true contender based on, um, you know, if, if you're looking at the AFC and you're and you, you, you already have said, all right, the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl and repre- represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, you were watching the game that took place this past week and, and how, what the Ravens are able to do counteracts everything that the Patriots have had a lot of success doing against that team. So I think the Ravens can go very far based on their makeup, offense, defense, and special teams to answer your question. But I'm going to go even further with you when you talk about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens because they need a lot of credit here. As you know, the Ravens, they traded back into the bottom of the first round to get Lamar Jackson at 32. Okay, they traded with the Eagles. I said this prior to the draft. I felt Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback coming out. But he needed to go to a team that was going to build an offense around him. And you have to credit Steve Vichotti, who, by the way, is my favorite owner in the NFL. At the time, Ozzie Newsom, now Eric DeCosta, is the general manager. Okay? This is what they've done, Joy. This is amazing. Okay? And not enough people are talking about this. They have aligned themselves with the University of Oklahoma. Look at their roster. Take a look at their roster, Joy. What they've done is they are drafting players from the University of Oklahoma. They've got two off, two starting offensive linemen on, that on, on their offensive line, and I believe they have other offensive linemen that aren't starting but are on their roster. Mark Andrews, stud tight end, Oklahoma. Justice Hill, who we haven't even tapped into yet this season. This dude is a video machine, and he hasn't even gotten a lot of playing time. Marquise Brown. Yep, you guessed it, Oklahoma. So what are they doing? They are using the University of Oklahoma as a farming system. And on top of that, they are taking coaches from the University of Oklahoma and they're bringing them in during OTAs and training camp and working with their staff to implement plays. And and it, it, it's really, it's amazing. They, they are, in my opinion, one step ahead of the game because they look at Oklahoma, they see how Oklahoma plays, they're integrating some NFL tendencies as well. And feeling this is the system that Lamar Jackson can thrive in and do and do great things in. And oh, by the way, they they recruit well. So we're going to draft from the University of Oklahoma so that the, so those young men who come in to start playing for the Ravens, the transition is seamless because they already know the playbook and they already understand the lingo. It's it's fascinating what the Brave Ravens are doing. It's beyond just drafting Lamar Jackson and saying, okay, we're going to build an offense around you. They're actually using the University of Oklahoma as a farm system. 
It's fascinating. <laughs> that's I'm surprised. A, that no is one, a straight I'm surprised up. No one has done has done more research on this. Yeah, but, no, that's a straight up um, Illuminati hack right there <laughs> that you just it's, revealed. It's, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's unbelievable, and and I, I credit I credit the Ravens. So here's the thing, Joy. Lamar Jackson would not have this success. We're sitting here talking. Do you know right now? Um, odds for him to win the MVP now, the same as Russell Wilson. Yeah. Russell Wilson's having an amazing season, and and as much as I love Lamar Jackson, and I'm so thrilled for his success. He's blessed that he went to the Ravens, and the Ravens are doing this the right way. It's, it's really a phenomenal story. So in the NFC, uh, I know everyone is freaking out about the 49ers, and obviously they're having an incredible season. They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. However, I continue to argue that the Saints are the best team in the NFL, and the reason I say that is because, I mean, they lost – Drew Brees for five weeks and and went undefeated. Now, Teddy Bridgewater is obviously a starting quarterback in the NFL. Everyone just forgot that. But they also were a smart enough team to uh, plan ahead for having a capable backup quarterback in case anything happened to Drew Brees. So uh, maybe I'm off on that, but I still think if it comes down to the Saints and the 49ers, I'm going with the Saints. Yeah, listen, and, and, and rightfully, you should. You know what's really interesting this season is this season more than ever, how much should we respect and value the backup quarterback position? Right. I mean, it's really, it's really unbelievable. It's been the, it's been the year of the backup. God, I mean, yeah, exactly. God forbid anything happens to, to Drew Brees. Boy, Saints got to feel great that they got Teddy Bridgewater sitting there in the wing. Um, And Chatham Hill, by the way, who who I love, even the New England Patriots. And listen, I love Jared Didham. That's the quarterback that they went out and they dropped in the fourth round this year. And I do believe he will be the next heir apparent whenever Tom Brady wants to ride off in the sunset with his avocado ice cream. <laughs> um, and But he, but Stidham's not ready. Patriots wouldn't right. win a Super Bowl if, if, if Tom Brady got injured. There, there, are, there are at least, what, eight, like 80%, 80 to 85% of the teams in the NFL uh, would even win another game if their backup quarterback came in. So, so hands down, Teddy Bridgewater coming in and the Saints not losing – Unbelievable, but it also says a lot about Sean Payton. I think one of the best coaches in the NFL. They're really they're a very balanced team. Even you saw Alvin Kamara has been out for a while. Yeah, Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray comes in. They don't miss a beat, right? Teddy, Drew Brees leaves or gets injured, right? Teddy Bridgewater comes in. They don't miss a beat. They arguably have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Thomas. Um, Jared Cook has been okay. But they just they have, they're very balanced and they have a really really good defense. They're they're just the, the most balanced team in the NFL. And so in, in looking at the NFC, like so here's who I have coming out of the NFC. In the NFC East, I have the Eagles. I know the Cowboys won. I, I think they're 14 days off. Uh, they were they were not they they weren't ready. They're such a better team than the Giants. I think the 14 days off. They just had a slow start last night. But I still think the Eagles win the NFC East. Um, I do believe the Packers win the NFC North. I think the Saints win the NFC South. I have San Francisco winning the NFC West, and I've got Seattle, and um, I've got Seattle, and then either Carolina or the Vikings getting as a wild card. And out of all those teams, yeah, I mean, listen, the San Francisco 49ers are amazing. Their defense is sick. Kyle Shanahan definitely should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year this year. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to the 49ers and the Saints for the NFC Championship. And the Saints winning it, going back, and hey, you know who's not going to root for them? Poor team, uh, they were really kind of like screwed over, right? The last two years. So, in my opinion, like third time's a charm for them. 
who wouldn't be rooting for them after what's happened to them just the past two years? Yeah, and 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 I don't want to make it sound like I, I think 49ers fans think I'm a hater. I'm really not. Um, I just, it's just, you know, sometimes I just got to be like that annoying person that goes with my gut. And also like what I said about Teddy Bridgewater, which everything you just said is true, but also what I think it comes down to in those moments. And it's kind of what we saw in the Super Bowl last year with Sean McVay and Bill Belichick, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have been there before and Shanahan and Garoppolo haven't and playoff football, as we know, uh, really all playoffs and all sports come down to situations and, and moments and, and like who doesn't mess up and who makes the big play. So if, if, if it came down to that moment, I would go with the saints uh, as well. It's just, it's just the experience that, um, that I would lean on in that situation. So real quickly, um, before I let you go, you mentioned the Cowboys quickly. I have uh, my, Super Bowl prediction before the season started was Chiefs and Cowboys, Chiefs winning, um, partly because Fox has the Super Bowl and I really want the biggest ratings ever. Um, and that would be that would be a crazy Super Bowl. Uh, I would take some alternatives. But what do you think of the Cowboys last night? Because people are I feel like constantly find a reason to not believe in the Cowboys like that was a road win against a division rival like why are people always questioning the Cowboys? That's a great question. Um, I just, I, I feel, I feel Dak gets a raw deal all the time. Maybe it's Jerry Jones. Maybe it's because people are just tired of uh, them being associated with America's team. I like the Dallas. I, I like the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I, you know, I think it's going to come down to the wire between them and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not saying that the Eagles are going to run away with this thing. So my pick, my pick for the Super Bowl was Eagles Chargers. Ooh. I'm t- I'm telling you I'm telling you what Chargers are getting healthy. Chargers keep an eye keep an eye on the Chargers. If the Chargers make it to the postseason as a wild card, Joy, watch out for them. Watch out. I'll take your word for it because I trust you on a lot of stuff, but you know it, it is the Chargers at the end of the day. But thank you so much for coming on with us. I really appreciate it. Again, you can check out uh, Anita. It's just Anita Marks on Twitter, right? Right, Anita Marks on Twitter, and uh, and I just want to let you know. I so and I, I know I, I I hit you up a lot on uh, when when you're doing the show with with Colin, but um so I, I typically I I prep from home. I work from home a lot, and I've got all the sports shows on, so I watch you guys pretty much every day if not like maybe three or four times a week and, and I, I think you do a phenomenal job oh thank and, you um I'm 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 really proud of you and uh and it, it's great that you're in our industry and it's great that you rep- represent women in our industry because I think you do a great job Joy. thank you Anita you too uh you've been a a big inspiration to me as well because you are always on your stuff and you're excellent at what you do and yes Anita does give me scoops all <laughs> She, she'll be in my DMs like, ah, no, 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 That's, this is what's really happening. And she's very rarely wrong. Um, but thank you so much, Anita. Again, you can check her out on ESPN's Daily Wager Gambling Show Monday through Friday and Sunday morning on ESPN2 and also on ESPN Radio uh, in New York. Thanks, Anita. You got it. Are you ready for what's ahead? You can't always predict the future, but you can game plan for it. Generations of families and businesses have harnessed the power of Pacific to help them reach their unique goals. Whether you need to save enough money to meet your needs, ensure your family is protected, or make sure you don't run out of money, Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help. Pacific Life counts more than half of the 100 largest U.S. companies as its clients and has been named one of the 2019 
world's most ethical companies by Ethisphere Institute, protecting what matters most to people for 150 years and counting. That's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help you game plan for your future or visit PacificLife.com. With it. With it. What? Winning. We about to turn up in SB. All right, Heller, what am I winning or quitting today? All right, uh, Cleveland is known as the rock and roll capital of the world, and the Browns might be the land's most tragic power ballad. This Sunday's sob story saw struggling signal caller Baker Mayfield engineer three times as many facial hair looks as touchdown passes. Joy, the Browns are only dangerous to themselves. Quit it or quit it. There was a lot of thought and effort put into that intro, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Great tee up. Uh, with it, they are only dangerous to themselves. Um, what's happening with the entire world reacting to how bad the Browns are is really all our fault. It's not Cleveland fans' fault because this is what Cleveland fans do. They hype up an otherwise mediocre team and manage to convince the rest of the sports world that they're in contention and they're really not. They do this with all of their teams, and it's it's our fault for falling for it, so I don't blame them. Um, most sports franchises' uh, fans are realistic about the expectations and what they can be that year, not the Browns. They're going to go to the Super Bowl every single year. I dare you to try and tell a Browns fan otherwise. I don't get it, but that's how they live their lives. So um, I just only moderately judge them for that. I ignored all of my experience and wisdom when it comes to the Browns um, and fell under the spell of the lake. And nothing about the situation is surprising when you really think about it. Cleveland is worse than they were last year uh, at this time. You can say what you want about Hugh Jackson, but they didn't have this talent on the team last year. And they were 2-5-1 and one this time last year. And they are now 2-6. and six. So do with that what you will. That loss to the Broncos was tragic. There's no other way to put it. It wasn't bad. It was tragic. Some guy named Brandon Allen, who had never sniffed a blade of grass on an active NFL field, okay, beats the Cleveland Browns in an actual NFL football game. And credit, credit to the Broncos. Like, I thought they were going to get blown out. And I still don't believe in the Broncos. So, I was just like, Broncos fans getting on my case about it. Like, you're still going to have a losing season. So, just relax. All right. But... I mean, that's a, that's a horrible loss to the Browns. And I don't believe in this idea that, like, you have to blow everyone out because that's just not realistic. These are still professionals and any it's any given Sunday. It's a game of inches, all right? All that nonsense. But for real, like, you can, you can lose any Sunday. This is not college football where, like, you know, to quote Colin, Panera Bread University has a chance against <laughs> Alabama. It's not how this works. However, the Browns should have won that game, if not convincingly, played a great game and beat the Broncos. Like, that's what should have happened. And that loss was terrible. And Baker Mayfield is not playing well. He has the lowest passer rating in the NFL when not under pressure this season. He's the only quarterback with more interceptions and touchdown passes when not pressured. That's bad. And that's very yes, that that what I just said is not good. That's not a that's not a good stat to have. We had a keep to leave on the herd uh, earlier today and he basically just verified everything that we've been saying about Baker Mayfield. What he didn't add is that he runs backwards, but he kind of explains why. So what Baker does is he goes through one read, and then he takes off running. He spins out to the right, and then he either gets tackled or throws it away, and that's why these stats are what they are. Now, obviously, he's under pressure in those situations, so that doesn't even apply to this. However, the point is Baker runs backwards because guess what? NFL teams, they've got film they watch and professionals that break it down, so they tell defense, guess what? If he misses his first read, just go ahead and mosey over there uh, to that side of the field because that's where he's going to be standing, and then you can just run after him. And he's going to throw it away, or he's going to take a sack, um, or he's going to throw an interception because those are the options there. And Because he's certainly not going to – I mean, 
he's not going to complete a pass in that situation. Mm-hmm. And the reason he's running backwards, as I mentioned, is because defenses know that's happening. So that's where it goes. That's how that's how it all works. So what's the issue, right? What is the issue with the Browns? As Anita Mark said, there's really not one thing to put it on, but this is how I see it. Freddie isn't ready, and you can't fool players. And he has no resume or experience. And while I would love to see Freddie Kitchens be successful, and I like people getting opportunities, and I don't blame Freddie for taking the job. Of course he should take that job. I, I blame the Browns organization for putting Freddie in this position. And, and not to, like, devalue Freddie, but more importantly, Baker, your number one overall pick, which, as we know, Cleveland, as a city, as sports city, really likes to mess up the number one overall pick. <laughs> Anthony Bennett. Anyway, <laughs> the point is you have a number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield. Recognize what he does well. Recognize what he doesn't do well. Put pieces around him to help him do better and get a head coach that has not only worked with a young quarterback before but has a resume that players respect. You can't tell me that there's not a head coach of a college football team that has had success, sustained success, a respectable resume – who was not interested in becoming an NFL head coach. Freddie Kitchens had never even been hired as an offensive coordinator, let alone a head coach. That matters. I'm sorry, but it just matters. You have to be able to stand in front of a room and command the attention of a bunch of grown men who make millions of dollars and convince them to go run through a wall for you. And if you don't have that, you can't do that. And John Dorsey knows he doesn't have that. That's why he hired Freddie Kitchens, and that's my point. They don't have a culture in Cleveland. There's nothing inspirational or respectable about being hired because the GM is going to be able to control you. I mean, we all have jobs. Like, if you know that your boss really doesn't have any power, what do you do? You, you focus on the person that has power in the building, like, and you, you do what they want. That's just how it works. It's just human nature. That's how all this goes. And it, it, it's a, it, to me, it's a sign of weakness if you hire someone that you feel like you can just control rather than hiring the best person for the job who's going to make everyone around him better, make you better, help you make decisions about who to draft, about who to start, about what the game plan is, what the future of your franchise is, what you can do to make your number one overall pick better. If you hire for ego and power, you fail. And that's what's happening. And that's the culture. And that's what's going on with the Browns. And unfortunately... I don't know if Freddie Kitchens is going to be there next year. So what does that mean? That means that Baker Mayfield will have had Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams. Greg Williams, the the uh, bounty guy? That guy. Freddie Kitchens. Quicker picker up or bounty? Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> and then whoever else they bring in next year. So, I mean, based off of that, and if that happens, which whether it's this, this year or next year, like uh, this is what I feel is going to happen. Baker Mayfield has not been set up for success in the NFL because he's not that talented to overcome all of that. And it all rolls downhill. That's just gravity. So if you're looking for the problem with the Browns, it's all the way to the top. It's not at the bottom. You can't, like LeVar said last week, you can't go through all these players and all this talent and all these coaches. And it's just all the coaches and the players all just can't, we just can't get the right guy in the building. Like, no, one of these guys was the right guy and you messed up. And that's just what it is. It's a colossal and utter disaster. This guy's in the building. That man, okay, is in OBJ. He plays. He wears Browns colors in other colors when he wants to as well. We got that but Browns colored uh, roles too. He is committed. Is on your team. He is playing for the Cleveland Browns, and you can't figure it out. So, like, I don't have any sympathy for what's going on with the Browns right now. It is the front office and the ownership's fault. 
And until they, I'm not going to say they're a solid team, but until you hold a mirror up and figure out what you're doing wrong, this is just going to continue. They're going to win a couple games for the rest of the season, so Browns fans, calm down. It's not the end of the world. Um, all right, what's next? Okay, so let's stay in the AFC North, but we'll talk about good teams now. Okay. Uh, with 20 years separating them in age, Tom Brady is old enough to be Lamar Jackson's father. However, it was Jackson's Ravens that sunned Brady's Patriots in oh Week 9 God. with a mostly dominant 37-20 to 20 win. Lamar was electric, and New England looked shocked. Joy, the Ravens are a legit Super Bowl contender. Wit it or quit it. Wit it. Uh, I knew this was going to happen. I had a tiny little bit of fear because, uh, you know, I'm a smart person, and it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But I did predict that they would win. And uh, two teams I was really wrong about this year are the 49ers and the Ravens. I believe that Brandon told us at the beginning of the year the Ravens were going to be good, but he says that every year, and he's not he's really Ravens usually fan. right. Yeah, that's not <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, but I was wrong. He was right. The Ravens are very good, and Lamar Jackson is just different. Like his ability and mm. just body control and what he's able to do on the field is just—it's just magical to watch. And the Ravens are fun, and running teams are usually not that fun they're usually a bore fest and you know that the Ravens defense is always going to be tough but I just love what the Ravens are this year it was a huge win over the Patriots and I I love what this year's been for Lamar Jackson because it's everything opposite of what the Browns have done in tanking all those years and setting people up for failure and like what the Bengals are and what the Jets are and what the Dolphins are like what they do is stay consistently decent right which everyone always says being 8-8 eight eight is like the worst thing you can be because you're not going to get a top pick. I disagree with that. I think that you should be competitive and you should be in the conversation every single year and then you improve on what you built. Because what otherwise happens is you create a, a, a disaster of a culture and then you have to build on top of a, a marsh. I'm not a builder, okay? But I think it's very difficult to do that. You have to drain, drain the swamp. Anyway, um, the point is, keep your organization running the right way and then build on that. And then it works out. So what they did was they didn't – they went at the top of the draft and they got Lamar Jackson, who, as Anita said, oh, was pretty talented in college. Real good. did well in college. Had a great college career, if we're just going to be honest about it. And there's some weird random scouts who thought it should be a wide receiver, which I feel like they should be exposed. I don't feel like they should be able to remain anonymous. That's a great call. Right? Like, I feel like when that happens, you should have to, you have to show your face. You have to, you have to own that. And then explain why you thought that and, and then address what you've done to become better. Right, yeah. Okay? Because that's not fair. It's not fair to the rest of us. I, and if that person, it works for my team, I need to know that. That's information I need. Anyway, they have the <laughs> sa- he has the same coach, the same system, the same pieces. They added pieces. They're aggressive in free agency. They built with him they built the system around him they put pieces around him that make him better he clearly improved his throwing ability and his presence in the pocket over the offseason he got bigger in the offseason so all that fear about you know is he too small is he going to be rg3 nope his neck is the size of a cinder block now and (laughs) i don't have any fear when he runs like i don't want him to take big hits but i don't have anxiety about him getting crushed i'm worried about other people's ankles when he runs exactly i'm worried about the defense when he runs (laughs) And that's great. And it's fun to watch. And the Ravens deserve the success that they're having because they build it the right way and it's paying off. And I despise tanking and I hate when owners cycle through good players and coaches and just do the work and stay relevant and competitive and hire smart people. It's not that hard. A a lot of problems in life are really not that hard if you just do what you're supposed to do. It's when you try and be the smartest person in the room that you end up making the wrong decision. 
most stuff is not that complicated. Like nuclear science, pretty difficult. Yep. Brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is hard? I don't know. Building an electric car. Yep. Space travel. Um, and even that's becoming eh, a little bit mainstream, if I'm yep. just going to be honest about it. So they're like, most Consumer. stuff yeah, <laughs> most stuff is actually pretty simple. That's what you should do. So that's it. You trying to go to space? I am trying to go to space, actually. I am trying to go to space. You're not going to. I if I become when I become rich enough to go to space, I'm not gonna say it. When I become rich enough to go to space, I am most certainly taking a space trip. What are you trying to see up there? It's just like stars and stuff. Who wouldn't? Who in here wants would go to space? Like if, if you have full like safe travel, like so clearly this is, a thing, this is a thing like rich people do all the time, right? Like it's not like new experimental thing. Oh, I got right? you. Oh yeah, twenty years into space travel, I'm down. Like it's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. it's like you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like going to Bali, yeah, yeah. all right? Need- like it, it's a, it's a space trip. Okay, it's gonna take you like a week. Yep. All right, you have to do some extra tests and stuff, right. but like you can go, and it's fully expense paid. Like, who's going to space? No. Well, I, I, I need, I need for a t- like twenty years to have passed, and people to have returned from space, and then still be fine. You know what I mean? Like, I need to see it because people could come back and be fine, and then it could be like vape smoke, and then they could be like dying. You know what I mean? <sighs> I mean, we've all had vape smoke. It's not that it's, you know, I don't do it all the time. Uh, okay, fine. I'll level up. Not space travel, but uh, teleportation. Are you willing to do it before it's been t- like thoroughly tested, like 20 year testing? Nah, that's where I, they're going to mix up my molecules and shit. Yes. Nah, I'm good. Oh my God. I'm so there. <laughs> Anything that gets me where I need to go faster, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm totally in. Like the travel thing, like just, I need to be there. Really? You're not even going to try it? After you. What if you see them do like a like a candy bar, like in Willy Wonka? A candy like, bar comes out fine. I mean, I'm about I'm about as smart as a candy bar, so maybe <laughs> that might actually work. Hear ye, hear ye! Jerry Jones is petty. If you were watching Monday Night Football last night, at a very crucial moment, Kitty. Meow. I love cats. If you don't love cats, you're weird. And um, that's all I gotta say about it. I'm um, I'm not a huge animal person. Um, but if I had to choose between dogs and cats, I'm picking cats. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, it could feel how you feel about it. It doesn't, it's cat people don't care. It's just like cats. We don't care. So this luxurious beast of an animal, um, Chunky Boy, as I've named him, which is a, the appropriate name, right? Like, obviously his name is Chunky Boy. Um, black cat. So however you feel about that, I'm not superstitious of black cats because I love cats. And I had a black cat growing up, um, named Jezebel, which in hindsight kind of describes my entire personality. Um, I don't know why my parents let me name my cat that, <laughs> but they're like, oh, you know what? She's going to dark, but let it go. Um, but Jezebel had little white paws, so she wasn't fully a black cat. But anyway, um, before Monday Night Football was suspended due to this luxurious kitty, um, getting on the field, which, uh, apparently I've like the cats live in the stadium yeah, and people feed them. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's horrifying. Why is that horrifying? What do you mean? I think it's wonderful. Uh, as long as it's not like a restaurant, you know. They have multiple restaurants there because it's well, yeah, there's lots of restaurants at the stadium and like places to eat. But I'm saying like as long as it's not exclusively you know a what? restaurant. Like if you ever gone to a restaurant where there's hella cats, it's like eh. Better than rats. Hella cats, hella rats. Better than rats. Cats are there to stop the rats. Hypothetically, um, or there's maybe so many cats because there's so many rats. Depends right. on how you look at it. <laughs> but anyway, this cat stopped Monday Night Football for a while. It was a fun moment. Like everyone loved it. Um, and he's completely adorable which helped um but anyway uh the giants were winning nine to three before the appearance of chunky boy and Zach prescott had 84 yards zero touchdowns and one interception after chunky boy 
exited and play resumes, the Dallas Cowboys proceeded to outscore the Giants 34-9, to and Prescott had 173 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. So clearly Jerry, Jerry Jones said that he had him there on purpose and that he released him at just the right moments. Sometimes you just need a momentum energy changer, and Chunky Boy came through. Um, I need that cat. Earl will definitely not let me adopt this cat. <laughs> but it was up to me. I would find this cat, who I'm sure has already been adopted. They said that they like managed to grab him and like took him to the vet and stuff. So I'm sure somebody has adopted him. But the one thing that is special about this cat, and the reason that you know this is a special cat, is because cat and dog people do not agree on cats over dogs and vice versa. Like They're very divided. You saw the reaction in the room when I said I'm a cat person. Um, but everyone agreed that this kitty was adorable. So that's how you know he's special, because it takes a special cat to get dog and cat people on the same page. And to delay a football game, which seems nuts. Well, I mean, you, what are you going to do? Like, he's, it's his field now. Probably just keep playing. We're just living in his house. We're like, you're not going to play over the cat. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? play around the cat. The cat will move. Okay. Well, they made the right decision. Okay. Anyway, I, I, shout out to Chunky Boy. <laughs> we don't even know it's a boy, actually. Yeah, but I'm just calling I was about to say. <laughs> Time for High Key, Low Key. I'm very excited about this one. High Key, Odell is still having wardrobe issues. And Low Key, the NFL has got to chill. So the NFL made Odell and Jarvis Landry change their cleats at halftime. They were wearing these for the first half of the game. And then they made them change into some basics. Yo, and does Odell's shoe have a nose on it? What's going yes, on? Yes, it does. Oh it does. It's God. the Joker. And I see, know, it says, ha, ha, ha. On the back, Nobody and that to put a nose on it. That's well, it's the clown nose. You know, it's very important, right? But it's a shoe, though. It's not a face. I like them, okay. um, and I don't even understand what the problem is with these. Like those are Browns colors. What's the problem? Mostly. But here's what's ha- here's what's occurred. The NFL has become the super serious bouncer at the club. Oof. Everyone knows and hates this guy. He's got the clipboard. Uh, he's turning <laughs> people away left and right, even though the club is half empty. There's a ridiculous, obnoxious line. Everyone is irritated. The pregame buzz has worn off, whatever it was that you partook in to be pregames for the club, so you didn't have to spend as much money on the very overpriced drinks at said club. Even the club owners hate this guy. Your job is not that serious. Your job is to protect and to make sure that the people that are coming in are of age to enter the club, which in most cases doesn't even happen. So that's who the NFL is. They are the super serious bouncer at the club. Just take a chill pill. Relax. This cleat thing should have been solved forever ago. It's such an obvious, obvious money-making situation. The the NBA has turned the sneaker industry into a bajillion-dollar industry that has control over entire global governments. It's not that hard, okay? (laughs) People wear shoes. I get it. You can't wear cleats, but guess what? You can't wear soccer cleats either, and soccer has managed to create those hideous slipper devices that people wear all over the world. What are those things called? All over, like like indoor soccer shoes, like futsal shoes. Yes. Like the Sambas, but worse. Yes, just remove those things, and there you got to shoot. Yep. That's what they wear on their feet, right? Some of these are even high tops, so it should be. I mean, let the guys wear the custom cleats. It's like put together a panel. And have them submit their shoe on like a Thursday, or if you play on Thursday, a Tuesday, they get approved. If you wear an unapproved shoe, you get fined like $100,000 or some number that no one could tolerate. And, and then wear them and then sell them. Enter the sneaker market. Put some little ugly uh, 
gummy stuff. Like, what are those shoes called? Sambas? Yeah. Rubber soles. There you go. You've got Adidas Sambas. And a billion dollar idea. It's the, it's the biggest sport in the country. It's really not that hard. I promise you people wear those ugly shoes. Okay? Just let them wear them. Everyone wears them in the pregame. They're all over social media. Fans love them. They're super fun. It's not that hard. Stop trying to outthink fun. Is it fun? Yes. Give, no one thinks these aren't fun. Give people something to buy. Sell them. People it's like not to buy that stuff. Hard. People love to spend money on useless shit. That is useless. Where am I going to wear? I'm First of all, to be very clear. All right, I want to be very clear while well, I'm excited. I'm not wearing these shoes, but people will wear these shoes. Okay? Oh. And it's not that hard. All of the shoes. I can't believe the shoe companies actually haven't figured this out yet. So here's your billion dollar idea. You're welcome. I don't need any percentage. All I need for you to do is to allow players to wear custom shoes so I can stop having this conversation about them getting fined. They're fun. They're all over social media. Don't hit me with that my cleats, my cause, one week thing. Okay? It's very nice that you do that, but like, just let them do it all season. Let them get their shoes approved. Done. Thank you. You're welcome. Why do I have to solve everything? High key, the Dolphins won a game. Low key, I knew this would happen. One thing the Dolphins are going to do is mess up whatever plan the Dolphins have. <laughs> that is a given. So I knew they beat the Jets this weekend because uh, they play hard and the Jets are a disaster. So now they're in the hunt for the number one overall pick in their tanking season because the Bengals currently have it. But uh, that said, congratulations to Brian Flores and the Dolphins. They played hard and, uh, and they deserve it. And I absolutely just knew this was going to happen. I literally told McIntyre and Colin on the way out of the show on Friday, uh, Mac, just so you know, Jets are losing this week in Miami. He probably didn't agree with you. That's for sure. He did not, but, um, well, he didn't, like, disagree. He was kind of like, hmm, you know. But I was right. And, like, this is just, this is an obvious thing that was going to happen. High key, the NBA season has been lit so far. Low key, y'all going to put some respect on the Heat's name. Blah. It's happening, dude. We are back. First of all, Miami Heat are 5-1. They smushed the Rockets on Sunday. South Beach flu. And second of all, <laughs> the NBA season uh, has had it's had a great start. Like all jokes aside, aside from obviously the Warriors. Um, sorry to T and Heller. We had a nice moment last night. Happy birthday, Eric Pascal. Big game. So I'm fine. We're fine. Go ahead. You're handling all this very well, as you should, because you've had a wonderful stretch. So you have nothing to complain yep. about. But the NBA season, aside from the Warriors, has had a great start. The Lakers are playing great. Thank God. We don't have to have this conversation about how the Lakers are falling apart. I just really needed a break from that. Um, the Clippers playing great. The Mavs. The Suns just beat the undefeated uh, Sixers. Booker had 40. Shout out to Devin Booker. Uh, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Raptors. It's just a lot of good basketball. That Mavs-Lakers game over the weekend was a wonderful, entertaining watch. Um, I, I really like the Mavs this year. Um, and, you know, it's kind of – we know what it feels like? It's like that moment when Thanos canceled half the universe – and then Captain America was like, yo, low-key, we got whales again. And then the Avengers, like, reversed time and, like, brought back pollution and the big three. Like, that's <laughs> that's kind of, like, what's happening here. Like, we're living in that moment where, like, Thanos is canceled. And it's, like, euphoria a little bit and everyone's sad. But then, you know, it's kind of like, oh, but you know, we can see, like, the stars. Yeah, That's kind of what we're living in right now. Right? Like, everybody does their two teams. Duo, you're following me. I don't know. I thought that was a good joke. I think everyone else was. I don't know, superhero <laughs> stuff. Loser power rankings. Loser power rankings. These are the losers, the losers of the week. All right. Loser power rankings. Let's start with the Bears. Mm. What a nightmare. Thanks a lot for crushing my bounce back prediction, Bears. Uh, big old L from Philly. And uh, Trubisky, that guy. Oof. Yeah. 
10 for 21, 125 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. So there's always a bright side. There it is. Um, this season, uh, Mitchell Trubisky passing touchdowns five. That's last in the NFL. Passing <laughs> yards per attempt, 5.6, last in the NFL. Passing uh, yards per game, 31st. That's not last, but very close. And then his passer rating is 29th, also not last, but very close. Um, that's among 32 qualified quarterbacks. So he is basically one of the worst quarterbacks statistically in the NFL. They rank uh, 29th in total offense, 30th in pass offense, 27th in rush offense, while their defense ranks 8th in total defense, 14th in pass defense, and 8th in rush defense. Fight so a good if, fight. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a defender for the Bears, like, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm, I'm high. And that's, that's kind of what they should feel because I thought that the bears were going to actually have a competitive season. Cause even though I don't like Mitchell Trubisky and I don't think that he is a franchise quarterback, their defense is so good. I thought maybe my balance it out, but this is an offensive league and that guy is running your team. So uh, I, I, I don't know. Finish the season with him. I guess, you know, whatever, find a new quarterback next year. Um, next is the league. Cam Newton is now on IR. That sucks. Damn it. Uh, basically, his season is over. And uh, it feels like the era in Carolina is over as well. Um, I really feel like the situation with Carolina and Cam Newton went downhill after the Super Bowl. I hated how people treated him after that Super Bowl press conference. I was always very out on that reaction. Um, I don't think that anyone in that room, and I could be wrong, I don't know everyone that was in that room, but I'm going to assume most of it was media members who have never played in a Super Bowl in their life. So they never had the opportunity to fail on the biggest stage of their career in the biggest moments and then be asked 400 questions by a bunch of people. So I have sympathy for Cam Newton in that spot, and I felt like the way that people reacted to that was very bizarre and and like i don't like when the media gets on a high horse because i'm in the media so i can say whatever i want about it and sometimes we just get into spaces where it's like you just owe us an explanation it's like no you actually you actually don't and sometimes not saying anything is the best thing to say and you talk to fans <laughs> the next day or whenever like fans in that moment are pissed no matter what so there's nothing cam newton's gonna say in that spot that's like oh I've, you know what nobody said that I'm not so mad that we lost the Super Bowl. That's not it. So I I, I, I kind of digress in that spot, but I feel like it kind of just started that started the yeah. Cam Newton uh, hate train because he was at the top of the world before that. Um, that said, I do still think he has some juice left. He's clearly banged up. Just rest until next year. I hope he ends up with maybe the Bears. Please not the Bengals. The Bengals are going to take a quarterback, though. So, what about, what about the Falcons? Falcons is very interesting. It's right there. Falcons is very interesting. Very, very popular in the ATL. Falcons is interesting. He, I think he'll end up somewhere, and I hope he has like two more years of like decent to high level play. I could just be hoping there, but yeah. I've always maintained that the league is better when Cam Newton is playing at a high level because he is just a natural star, uh, and I think it's good for the whole league. Um, so I'm, I'm bummed to hear that news. Although it kind of felt like they were going to stick with Kyle Allen. <sighs> Finally. Hard Knocks is some liars, boy. <laughs> I'm off Hard Knocks. All right, here's the thing. All right, everybody loves Hard Knocks, right? Who watches Hard Knocks? Mm -hmm. Players, coaches, probably front offices. I don't know about owners because I don't have a uh, mentality of how that goes. They probably do like it. They just turn teams into just this, this – like we think every team that's on Hard Knocks is going to be a disaster. And then in some 
respects, they, they sometimes are. So it's like a predictable thing. Like Reggie Bush was on the herd with us earlier and was talking about when uh, he was on Hard Knocks with the Dolphins. Oh, my God. Like, oh my, however the, oh. bad it was, I don't know how bad it was for the rest of the country to absorb what was happening with the Dolphins that year, but I can assure you it was a thousand times worse for anyone in Miami who was watching that. It was a disaster. A disaster. And they were a disaster that year. Ooh. It made Philbin look completely incompetent, which I don't think he is. No, it just was nice. so bad. Yeah, he's just very, he's just yes, nice. He's very nice. You sh In life, you should be like... I don't know if I could put a percentage on it. Just be like mostly nice. Right. Right. There are times though when there's being times nice where you is, should not yeah, be it's nice. It's just not. It doesn't benefit you or, or anyone. anyone. Yeah. To be nice. Yep. And Philbin is a very nice person. Yep. That is true. Um, anyway, the Browns. I'm gonna fully blame Hard Knocks for getting Hugh fired. We fell in the they trap did with him that dirty. because Oof. they're they're no better this year. So you can say what you want about Hugh Jackson. You're no better this year. In fact, I believe you're worse, as I mentioned earlier, because you have so much more talent this year than you did last year and the Raiders the Raiders are in the playoff hunts we thought they were going to be a straight up dumpster fire like a complete show a fun dumpster fire but a dumpster fire was it even gonna be fun I mean it was like, fun on hard knocks Gruden it, everyone was questioning whether that was a good hire like can he handle anything because he's been away around away from the NFL this long going into week eight they're fully in the hunts and they're like playing great now they did their best to try and lose that game all right i don't know what what the hell was happening with that timeout that was called but like i i almost wanted them to lose because of that timeout because i hate when people make mistakes like that at the very last second when you have an opportunity to win but they managed to pull it off so kudos to them they're a fun watch i like the raiders a lot i'm glad they're playing well especially because i also hate when the nfl moves teams even though i've been advocating for a team in vegas for a long time so i know that makes no sense but I want them to play with some momentum going into Vegas so it's not a disaster like That's the Chargers call. are in L.A., which is a Oof. whole other conversation. If right. you haven't heard, there's talks of London, and Spanos is adamantly denying that. Uh, I think everyone is freaking out because nobody nobody cares about the Chargers in L.A. It's just They might have more fans in London. I mean, there's just NFL fans in London. Let's so right. talk about it for like 30 seconds. There's a there's a rumor there's a story in the Athletic that like they're talking about moving the Chargers to London they've been talking about moving the Jags to London for forever it's because it's the Jags and it's the Chargers so if you want I don't need to explain it okay um, the point is you're uprooting an entire franchise again all right Philip Rivers is not even trying to commute from San Diego to L A so he's out got to rehire Jeff Fisher for the transition we I mean you have to do that He's right like, as a consultant thing, that's the only, yeah it's the only thing he does as a consultant <laughs> at best and um I, I'm actually not against it because I, Heller mentioned uh off uh recording that people that he talked to that were at the game on Sunday against the Packers it was like 90 10 Packers in like a small stadium it's just so that means there's that means yes. that means there's like a couple thousand Chargers fans there <laughs> right it's not they're good. playing at a soccer stadium hey guys we are doing the culture report live from now on that's T that's the crew Donnie Jeremy Heller John so we are what, what's what's up Heller I don't, know, problem. I don't know how to merge it. There's no problem. We're live on. Just tell them we're live on. Maybe we're also live on too. the podcast. If you don't like watching live on this one, yeah, you can exactly. watch on the podcast, which is a exactly. different view. Matter of yeah. fact, after you watch this one, then go watch that one. All right. So it's time for the culture reports. T, what's the T? 
All right, so two things Kanye was a part of, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Brunchella and Jesus is King merch. Okay, so uh, there's Kanye. With, that's like a great picture. Thank you for that, Donnie. Um, all right, so starting with Brunchella, um, there was a picture that was uh, distributed to the internets of some very uh, unappetizing looking food. Let me just show it to you there. There you go. So that's some McDonald's bacon right there for sure. Um, and I think that's a sausage. Yeah, that looks like a sausage and some like some pancakes with no pancake syrup, which is I might as well be a, a brick. Um, can't eat it. So anyway, this was, people were charged $55 for this at Brunchella. And then, of course, it was associated with Kanye. And then it was associated with Fire Festival. Here's the thing. Um, as much as I'd love for this story to be true because it's hilarious, it, it had nothing to do with Kanye. Kanye did not only re not receive any money for the Sunday service that he did there outside of Bethany Church um, in Baton Rouge. He also, uh, like I guess, paid for everyone that performed in it to come. And he didn't receive any money for the food either. It was like a catering service took full responsibility for whatever that was. Um, styrofoam plates. <sighs> um, anyway, so it didn't have anything to do with Kanye. Um, and just so you know, I am the official arbiter of all facts regarding Kanye. I had the scoop on the Kanye release date, um, AKA it was made known to me by reading that <laughs> the uh, release date for the Jesus is King film was going to be uh, the 25th. And then therefore, obviously the album would also come out on the 25th because that's the only thing that makes sense. So um, while it might've seemed like an artistic thing that was happening, it was really just marketing. Um, and now I'm happy to reveal that Kanye was not responsible for that. I also found that out um, from Team Z and reading. Um, as far as the socks go that I believe are, are dear Brandon Newman, uh, I, I did not know anything about this, this, the sale of these clothing associated with Jesus is King. Obviously Kanye's going to have merch, but, um, the problem is Jesus is King is a gospel album. So, you know, you run into some you know, moral issues about selling things that are associated with God and what's the right price, you know, 10%, uh, you have to tithe, but like, does that count when you're buying a hoodie? Who knows? Uh, the thing about it is he's selling like socks for like $55, I believe, right? Yeah, he recently like lowered his price. So on the site right now, it says 20 plus That's a digital much more reasonable yeah. for a pair of things that you put your feet in uh, <laughs> that protect from, you know, the perspiration to your shoes. Uh, but, but I also see crewnecks for $170. And I'm just not going to pay that. Yeah, I mean, Kanye's selling church merch. And church merch? Church merch. And uh, <laughs> anyone who has purchased church merch before, you know it's a stiff t-shirt with a, a very overly designed logo um, and then perhaps a giant Bible verse in the back. But like, it's definitely not setting you back more than like $15, $20. And you're probably giving it in cash directly to you know the youth services director. Um, that's usually how church merch goes. So church socks are cheap, um, very thin, uh, non-absorbent ribbed socks. If you've, uh, we're not talking to you, Hello, you don't believe in God, but you know, the rest of us, everyone else is shaking their head. Yes. Like it's actual church socks do not cost $50 and they actually probably shouldn't exist because they're barely socks. Um, all right. So that's my thought on church merch. What's next? All right. So next actor, comedian, John Witherspoon passed away at 77. I definitely felt that. Like everyone loves pops. Can we all agree? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, how did how did that make you coordinate? Yes. Coordinate. Um, I was very sad to hear about this. Um, he was an incredible, influential comedian, and uh, like just even like he was just so unique. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's a lot of comedians now that are kind of not 
interchangeable, but it's like, you know what you're going to get from them. And he is just, he is just so special and unique. Like you can never, ever have another um, personality and just talent like him. And for me, like, obviously everyone thinks about his role in Friday, which was incredible. But uh, I mean, Boondocks, yeah. like, oh, oh, the fight with, uh, with Colonel Stinkworth. Stink meaner, stink meaner. Oh, and new shoes, new shoes. Uh, it, I mean, like, there's just, there's, he has so many amazing quotes, like, beyond just uh, the coordinate one, which is obviously a, a go to. But um, yeah, he was the best. And it, like, shook the sports world as well, obviously. Mohamed Sanu had some pretty awesome uh, cleats, which I'll show you now. He did his, um, uh, he did his little end zone celebration with the fingers, too, pointing. Yeah. It's pretty great. You yeah. Hit him with one of there these. Thank you for that. <laughs> one of those right there. Um, yeah, but rest in peace, pops. Um, he was definitely, definitely a legend. Um, all right, what's next? All right, so uh, the trailer just dropped for Bad Boys for Life. That's set to hit theaters on January seventeenth, twenty twenty. Uh, I've definitely been waiting for the sequel. Um, I think the trailer is fire. I'm excited about it. What about you? Uh, well, I love the trailer because at the end it has my birthday. Hey. January 17th it's a great day uh, they're gonna make lots of money just because of that best mm -hmm. of luck uh, I'm very excited about it I'm obviously gonna see this movie um, I love Will Smith and you know Bad Boys is a, is a legendary movie franchise but also on a personal note uh, they shot most of it in Miami as you can see and so I'm gonna know lots of people because there's gonna be lots of extras in this movie um, so I'll definitely be like oh yeah I know her uh, and that'll be fun because uh, there's a lot of uh, working actors and, and models in Miami and uh, I'm sure they're gonna have a bunch of awesome cameos uh, I'm gonna guess Dwayne Wade at some point uh, Marino had a pretty good cameo in oh. Bad Boys 2 Test driving the Cadillac. Yeah, let me know how it drives. It's a great line. Um, <laughs> Classic Marino. King, king, king of the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> but it looks fun. It looks like a good, it looks like a bad boys movie. Like it's not gonna make you think too much. It's gonna be a lot of action, great lines, and uh, and Will Smith is, continues to kill it. So I'm very excited for that. I am too. Yeah. And he's, Vanessa Hudgens. I mean, she's, Vanessa Hudgens is in it. She is. Vanessa so, Hudgens is in it. Yes. So when I saw the High School Musical reference, I was just like. How are they? What, like, what's that about? So, but I guess it was about her because she was in the movie. Oh, oh. like the scoop team. Yeah. All right, that's the culture report. Thanks for watching, guys. All right, thanks for joining us this week on the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you again to Anita Marks for coming on with us. You can follow us uh, on our social pages at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod. You can subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we're on i uh, the iHeartMedia app, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Ooh.